Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. Well, here we are at the end of 2014 and the beginning of 2015, and what a time it is. I'll have to ask the indulgence of my international listeners because I want to tell Americans a little bit about the times in which they live. Just run with me on this, and I'll make some points here towards the end. In November of 2014, the U.S. economy added over 320,000 jobs. That meant 57 straight months of growth in the American economy. The Dow Jones is at an all-time high. Unemployment is at 5.8%, half that of Europe. And just to give you some perspective, when Mr. Romney was running for president, he made it a campaign promise to reach 6%. We're below that now. Gas is at a national average of $2.38. Again, for perspective, when Mr. Gingrich was running for president, he made a promise that he could get gas down to $2.50. We're below that now. Crime, abortion, teen pregnancy, and oil imports are all way down from what they have been. In 2009, uh, the U.S. deficit was at $1.2 trillion. Now, it is less than half that. Uh, six years ago, our economy was shedding at 8% annually and losing 800,000 jobs a month. Now, of course, all of that has been reversed. We're smoking less, driving less, wasting less electricity, committing fewer crimes. Despite the recent situations in Manhattan and Ferguson, uh, the police are killing fewer civilians and fewer police are being killed on the job. Some of the spectacular threats to our safety, Ebola, sharks, and terrorism that have been in the news, uh, still pale in comparison to the fact that you are more likely to die in your car, which gives you some sense of how much of a threat they really are. Recently, we had an Ebola threat. Two Americans died of Ebola. Now that threat has completely gone away. What am I saying? Am I saying that we are living in the best of all possible times and that uh, all is well and all is perfect? No. But I am saying that at least at the material level, at least at an economic level, America is in the best shape it's been in in a long time. And yet most people if they are polled or questioned, would say the opposite. It's very revealing for me, to me, for example, uh, that our, as I have said, our deficit, our national deficit, is less than half what it was in 2009, and yet a recent poll showed that 73% of Americans think the deficit is actually growing when it's not. It shrunk to less than half of what it was just five years ago. But we all know what we're feeling. Despite the economic realities, we know that something is wrong. There is a crisis, but I want to suggest that it's a crisis of the spirit. All of these economic indicators are wonderful. If you live in America, it is quite possible that you live in the most privileged, most materially abundant um, and a, a situation and in a situation that is fraught with more possibilities for rise and increase than ever in human history. That's not an exaggeration. That's a fact. 
uh, even even those who are on the lower economic echelons carry cell phones, have computers, live in homes with air conditioning, park cars in garages, um, have plenty to eat. Uh, to my knowledge, and according to the stats that I've scanned this morning, no one has died of starvation um, unless it was a situation of illness or crime uh, in America in this last year. And yet we know something is wrong. We know something is wrong. Most people don't think their children will have the same blessings that they have had, and most people don't believe that they have today the same blessings that their grandparents and great-grandparents had before them. Most people would report even the positive statistics uh, that I have listed as negatives if they are polled, and they are shocked to find out uh, the truth, which is far better than they would have thought. Why is that? Because we're living at a time of great crisis of soul. Now, I'm not just preaching here. Everyone who listens to me knows that I'm a Christian, and yes, I believe that we are uh, made for a relationship with God. As St. Augustine said, Lord, you have formed us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in thee. I, I, I don't retreat from that view. I don't retreat from the idea that nothing of this world can truly satisfy our soul's uh, because we are made for a living God whom we must know through Jesus Christ. Everyone who's listening to this knows that that's what I believe. That's nothing new. But it is intriguing, is it not, that while all of these material uh, matters that I've identified and given statistics for are improving and wonderful, that we are, I think all of us would say, uh, a society that is that is in poverty of soul, poverty of spirit. There's a sickness abroad in our society. We know that. The sexual issues in our society are disturbing at every level. Uh, the, the, the horrible things that especially young men have done in the last couple of years in criminal activity and what have you, it's, it's troubling to watch. And this poverty of soul is the main sickness of the Western world. Uh, it is, I, I think, while I absolutely oppose uh, the global analysis of Islam, it, nevertheless, every so often, uh, a smart imam puts his finger into the very issue um, of the sickness of soul in the Western world. And it's true. There is a sickness of soul. There is a lack of understanding of God. There is an unwholeness, an unhealthiness, a disease of the heart that makes us a perverse and an addicted society, despite how well uh, all things are materially now. And what this leads to, of course, I could continue just to speak about my faith and its answer for the human soul uh, forever, but let me switch and say what this leads to is an inability to look at our world with open eyes, clear-headed, and with courage. I mean, already we see, as I've shared, that people misread the positive economic statistics, actually see them as completely reversed. I think because our misery makes us believe that all things are, are trending negative. It's not true. Uh, but one thing that we are unable to see clearly is the challenge of radical Islam in our society. We are under attack. I say this not as an alarmist, uh, but we are under attack. We all know this. The primary enemy, other than our own diseased souls, that we will face in the coming years is going to be radical Islam. I want you to ponder just for a moment. There was a guard shot in Canada. Why? A radical Islam. There was a woman at a, at a, at a food factory beheaded by a co-worker who was ISIS-influenced, a radical Muslim, cut off the head of a sweet little grandmother who worked at a food factory in Oklahoma. 
Not too many years ago, uh, we had a military officer suddenly begin to shoot his fellow soldiers at Fort Hood. Thirteen people died. The trial was a travesty. Uh, why? Radical Islam. Uh, we see it time and again. Children are being chopped in half in Iraq. Women are being sold on the streets for $10 each as sex slaves. Why? Radical Islam. And yet I'm not sure that the West is able to see this clear-eyed. I'm not sure that we are able to see it because our own poverty of soul keeps us from making spiritual and religious evaluations. One of the things that I do as I uh, look at the world and write is I try to help people understand the world uh, through uh, the lens of religion. Not everything I write is about religion. I write about the positive aspects of, of, of religious faith and how it's influenced, you know, for example, companies like Guinness. I, I look, try to help people understand the influence of religion on people like Barack Obama or Winston Churchill or, or George W. Bush. Um, but I, I think as I've, as I've done this work over the years, I've come to understand that people have a very hard time uh, understanding the world in spiritual and religious terms because of the poverty of their own souls. And so as we head into this new era in this next year, um, I believe we need to address each of us individually the poverty of our own souls. What are we doing to connect to God? What are we doing uh, to, to be one with the living God? What, what are we doing to address the poverty of our own souls? What are we called to do? But number two, how then do we take that spiritual and religious understanding towards understanding the world? There's a lot of complaining going on, and there's nothing that I go after harder uh, than people who complain but make no difference. Uh, in our current world, uh, one of the greatest evils on the rise is, again, radical Islam, terrorist Islam. And yet uh, the West has been virtually, um, it's been embarrassing to see the lack of response. And yet we will see it in our own midst. We will see it in our cities. We will see it in Europe. We will see it in the Middle East. Most of the death that occurred in the world last year occurred at the hands of radical terrorists, Islamists. What's my point? We don't have the courage or the clear-eyed wisdom to deal with the enemies of our generation if we are not a people of spiritual poverty, if we are a people with holes in our souls. And so the great challenge I want to give you as you step into 2015 is that you address the hole in your soul, that you address your own disease and poverty of spirit. And that then you turn towards the world and begin to make the difference you are called to make. Something you can only do if you see with open eyes and dream large of the possibilities of your life in making a difference in the lives of others. May 2015 be your best year ever. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author and popular speaker who coaches and advises leaders worldwide. To learn more about Stephen, log on to stephenmansfield.tv. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote and performed the Rockin' Podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production. Chartwell is ingeniously led by Beverly Darnell Mansfield. As a result, all rights are reserved. For more information, contact us through stephenmansfield.tv.